Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason, and I'm originally from the United States in California, but I have been living in China for quite a while, and I'm in now in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Shi. I am from China, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing, China. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. You know, we talk about a lot of serious things sometimes. Today, I wanted to talk about pandas. <laughs> Speaking of pandas, the Olympics are going on right now, and they have two mascots. One of the mascots is called Bing Dun Dun, yes. and the other one is called Shui Rong Rong. Now, Shui Rong Rong is based on actually like um, a Chinese lantern, and it's red, and it looks very much like a lantern. Yeah. The other one, Bing Dun Dun, is actually super, super popular, and it is a panda encased in ice. It's called an ice sheath or an ice <laughs> ribbon, and it represents like the the cold for the Olympics. 5,800 people from 31 different countries submissions, according to the Global Times, for like their favorite ideal, uh, you know, character to be one of these mascots. And Bing Dun Dun obviously was one of the two winners. Oh, yeah. Bing means ice, but also it symbolizes purity and strength, according to the Global Times. And Dun Dun means like honest and lively and cute. And, you know, like Dun Dun, it's, it does sound really cute, even in English or when you're hearing it. Uh, really popular, and a lot of the athletes are actually getting them with golden wreaths wrapped around them. So the athletes are getting these very special, one-of-a-kind, totally unique Bing Dun Duns encased in gold. Everyone else, you can buy these adorable teddy bears. Apparently, sales have skyrocketed. And there's a story about this Japanese reporter who came to uh, Beijing. He landed in the Phoenix Airport, which is the new super modern airport south of Beijing. And uh, he went to buy... A bunch of Bing Dun Duns. So he bought six of them. And then on his way to shoot, he actually lost his jacket. So there's a, a report of him like on Japanese media talking about his Bing Dun Duns. And he sent them back to Japan. And like one of the other reporters was trying to open it. He freaks out and he's like, no, 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 don't open that. <laughs> And like, you know, he absolutely has this adoration for them. In that way, it's like panda diplomacy because, you know, Japan and China are united in their love of this Bing Dun Dun panda, which is for the Olympics. And a lot of the athletes I've seen on all kinds of different media, like thanking China when and they get in their hotel room and they find these Bing Dun Duns. And I even saw this one American athlete, I think, like crying and holding her panda mascot. And like, you can see that pandas, in fact, really are quite good at providing diplomacy in addition to being completely adorable. Um, my my first one, I went to a, a zoo in Qingdao, mm -hmm. and uh, there was a very small enclosure with a panda that was hiding behind a bush, and all we could see of it was its back, and it rocked around a little bit, and that was it. And then that was, you know, 2014. Are you, are you sure it was a real panda? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an animatronic robot back of a panda, sure. And everyone always gets the same experience of just barely... Hey, we're in China. There's, what, a few thousand pandas. I'm sure there's a panda in the zoo that's just like, it didn't want to hang out with us. I know. I could only see them in all of these social media feeds, you know, all of the short videos of them just being so incredibly cute yeah. and on Douyin. Exactly, yeah. But still haven't seen a real one. So. All the cutest exposure 
I've ever had to pandas was also like on videos and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, Beijing has a has pandas and I went there. So I'm not going to over recommend it because my feeling was I went at like the off time and they were all asleep. <laughs> so I saw like all these pandas and they were like one of them was hanging off of a tree. Like it looked like it was going to fall at any moment, but it didn't. It just hung there. And all of the other pandas were just all asleep at the time we went there. So it was like nap time for the pandas. Yeah. But they do have quite a few pandas in the Beijing Zoo. And the Beijing Zoo is quite accessible and it's right in the middle of the town on the west side. I, I guess I'm out of excuses now. I have to go see them at some point. Yeah, there's also better places to see them i've heard too around beijing there's like outside of the city there's like a nature park where they have them too and you don't you like you drive through in a car and don't get it's like jurassic park but the pandas it's pandas instead of t-rexes so you're probably not going to get eaten yeah but you're not allowed to interact with them i suppose not in the not in the zoos but if you're going to the natural reserve in sudren i think there is a program that is part of the tour where you could actually get really close to the pandas and well that's cool I, I think I could be wrong. I was thinking about going to Chengdu for um, Chinese New just before Chinese New Year for a little bit of a break. I was thinking about, but I wasn't actually going to go to see pandas. I was thinking about going to see. Uh, there's this mountain there that's like uh, where they have like a big Taoist temple, and I was like, oh, I want to go see that. But now, if I'm going to go, you know, Chengdu, you mentioned yes. is the uh, capital of Sichuan, and there is this other huge city there, Chongqing, which is much bigger city. It's on. It's actually not in Sichuan, but it's connected to it. They're like all part of the same area. Area. And there's huge rainforest. It's like yeah. China has this huge rainforest. And there's all this like thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of protected land that are for pandas and for the rainforest. And so uh, it's a crime to do anything to the pandas. You can't touch the pandas. You can't go near the pandas. You can't go in there. Like, oh, my God forbid you try to kidnap a panda. <laughs> I Oh, God, I know. And then one of the one of the jokes that one of our comedians would tell is that they went to see the pandas in the natural reserve. And there was a kind of a sign outside before you go in and say do not chase and beat the panda oh, no. <laughs> i was like who chased and beat exactly, the panda who tried to do that before wow. that made them go we're gonna put this on the warning sign don't do it but i guess the general rule is don't try to feed the animals unless you're you know instructed to let alone chasing <laughs> chasing the animal that's so wrong every sign tells a story of some moron exactly, <laughs> exactly. i have to agree yeah. uh, no swimming with the sharks wahoo swam with the sharks why is there a sign there that says that like why do you have to tell me off like why do you have to tell me not to do that like, i would say like you know the signs that say don't climb into the lion enclosure don't make any sense except for at least once a year you hear about someone in the world oh yeah who climbed into the lion enclosure oh yeah why would anyone climb into the lion and what are you thinking but well, i know we're talking about pandas specifically for this episode yeah, but yeah, yeah. i i have to say there's so many videos videos I've seen recently in recent years is not even just like you know this couple of months i've seen people just being very close uh very intimate with wild animals like lions and tigers and uh, mm, leopards jaguars mm, mm. all of these hunters you know and then these people might work in a safari or they work as a scientist that worked very closely with those animals and then all that the general public see is that oh i could just play with a lion <laughs> like it was a cat i'm like no no, no. No, you no, might no, get no, eaten. So don't don't think that it was just anyone who could just go up to the animal and be like, oh, look at this giant kitty. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not true. Don't do it. Don't attempt this at home. Don't attempt this yourself. 
recently uh, it's the year of the tiger soon and they were in japan three uh zoo i guess the zookeepers were in a tiger enclosure and the door that's supposed to release in a certain way didn't function properly all of a sudden and the tiger i i don't know i don't want to say and i don't know all of the details exactly but uh, at least one of them is in the hospital and i think they had to put the tiger down so you know oh god even professionals can have mishaps with these kinds of huge super power i think it was a 400 pound 10 foot long tiger so yeah it's not your cat so yeah that's not your like kitty cat yeah you don't play with that nope you, don't you know, do i want to tell you a story i used to work at the uh the zoo in san francisco i think i mentioned before i uh i w- have you that's i think that's new information oh, okay i worked mm-hmm. in the cash room so i was in a room with no windows in the zoo so it wasn't like i got to hang out with the gazelles or something so like every day people would give me their change and i would count it all day for like the previous day and like get ready to (laughs) give money to vendors and stuff it was really boring but like during lunch you know i was in the zoo so i could go get like a free snack or whatever that was part of my lunch and then hang out so i used to oftentimes sit by the gorilla enclosure and uh you know we're talking about pandas they didn't have pandas but they did have they had polar bears and like uh brown bears i think anyways the gorilla enclosure was fascinating for me because i always found them to kind of look human like you know they they have a very humanish feature so i I was like oh i want to go hang out with the gorillas and sometimes they would be moving animals through the zoo that were on their way somewhere else and there was one time Uh the really really big super big gorilla there and they had it in a special place and i was looking through the bushes like it from a special angle at it and it it saw me looking at it and wasn't supposed to be seeing humans at this time Uh and it jumped inside of its enclosure the ground shook it was so big it was just like a little mini earthquake and i was like i'm scared its name wasn't caesar was it (laughs) i don't i don't (laughs) Francisco, yeah, apes. Oh, that's very funny. But you know what I found? I didn't like. I have to complain. I want to complain a little bit about this. Is that when I I took physical anthropology, which is about like primates in a university, profound, as, and uh, <laughs> the gorilla enclosure is set up wrong. So the gorillas are at a lower point than the people uh-huh. in the enclosure, which makes them feel embarrassed and like we're making fun of them. <gasps> so actually, the gorilla enclosure should be where they are slightly elevated or at least at the same height Mm. and and so that they don't feel like they're being embarrassed all the time another thing is people love to show their teeth so they see the gorillas and they smile with the big bright teeth to show their teeth (laughs) and like that is the exact wrong thing to do because showing your teeth to gorillas says i'm aggressive and i'm trying to tell let you know this is all this is all reminding me of that really really i'd say infamous incident um that happened in 2012 around 2011 um with the with the the big chimpanzee i mean i hate a word hate to use the word kill but this Mm. kid fell into it and Uh, what's the name of it 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 was super famous in the states mm. people were everybody was talking about it oh harambe yeah 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 yeah. now that it makes sense i was like that animal looked a little you know it looked a little restless and Mm. i didn't Mm. know why but now that you've said this it kind of makes sense but it also makes me wonder People who design yeah. these zoo, these zoos, and and you know this man-made habitats for these animals, shouldn't this be knowledge that's already 
something that they they have in mind when they when they build this place you know i'm not sure maybe there's a disconnect maybe it wasn't like zoologists who designed these enclosures maybe it was just like some they brought in some architect and they're like oh the people will be able to see the best in this way or something Mm -hmm. so i don't i'm not sure how sometimes zoos get it wrong yeah but like uh, sometimes there's a disconnect one thing i gotta say another one there's a black swan in the zoo Mm -hmm. in san francisco its habitat is like the i don't know the size of your living room oh Oh, that's so it's just small. a little pool of water. This it swims in the same circle in a circle all day long, every day. So like that's got to be miserable. I know. If any of our listeners work in that, you know that, that general <laughs> direction in that industry, we hope we hope this brings a little awareness and a little change. And then they may have changed it because I'm talking about ten years ago, and there are like you know mm. donors who try to donate money to help improve zoos over time. For all I know, maybe the black swan is swimming in a new direction. <laughs> <laughs> Good pun. Good pun, Jason. Ah, uh, <laughs> You know, pandas are less endangered now. Did you know that? I do know that there's a rise in numbers of pandas that are in this world in recent years, which is good news. Yeah, China has gone all out to try to breed them. And like uh, they have. OK, so a lot of people want to deal with pandas. And I know a lot of foreigners who are in, in, in China really, really like pandas. And a lot of Chinese people love pandas. They're one of the most adored animals on in the world, like dolphins or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one of the top cutest animals there are. And like in order but in order to actually work with them in an official capacity, you need like a PhD in pandaology or something. I remember <laughs> I remember the first time I saw like the job opening of a panda caretaker was in the States. I was still, you know, doing uh, my master's degree and one of my American friends was like, Alex, is this real? Is there an actual job in China where you could go take care of pandas? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And then back then I just didn't know what that job would require and i was like oh that would actually be a pretty dope job you know you just go and play with can't you play with pandas and they're just like you know chubby little dolls <laughs> and then i was like well you have to know them you have to know other animals you have to know all how natural reserves work and like you said you might need a phd and then you probably have to be very good in uh, uh, good at english as well so it's like these are national treasures of China. Not everybody could just go. Anybody could just go and become the caretakers. You're basically their nannies and their guardians. Have you seen some of the caretakers in their costumes? If you could see, I am nodding my head so profusely. <laughs> oh, but that's so cute. Because <laughs> they dress up that, as pandas. They, I think they do that for panda babies, right? Before they... Uh, I think that's to to make them feel not as out of place. <laughs> but they also look really weird because they look like a humanoid form. They're not fat. You know, like these people are like they look like they're in a panda costume. And I'm wondering, do the pandas like think, does this human think he's pulling one over us on, on us? Or do the pandas think, well, that panda really needs a snack. Or, I feel, <laughs> or it could be the case where, you know, they put on these costumes looking, make, making themselves look like skinnier pandas so that the baby pandas can be like, all right, I got to eat. Otherwise, I'm going to grow up to look like that. And I don't want to look like that. Did you see his claws? They were like <laughs> almost non-existent. What was wrong with that panda? He has no belly. <laughs> yeah. So they did. They go all out and to take care of their breeding them, they're 
really taking care of these pandas. They're making sure that they have every resource imaginable. Some of them are introduced into the wild, but a lot of them are taken care of directly by people who are just basically they're the most spoiled animals on the planet. That's what just what's happened. They really are. Or like, you know, we don't know what's going on in the panda's head, but in terms of how much how many people love pandas, I'm like, you guys don't even have to know the <laughs> word popularity. It's uh, popularity and panda world is just called being yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I heard someone once say that they're one of the least uh, evolutionarily adapted species on the planet because they couldn't survive like predators could easily eat. You know, actually, I was thinking about it and I think it's the exact opposite. Yes. So because humans have become the apex predator on the planet, we're the most advanced, like we could do anything to the planet and other planets now. But, you know, what What do we do? We take care of pandas and give them whatever they want. Winner. They're the winners. <laughs> We've become their caretakers. We've become their, like, servants to give them whatever they need, to fly them all over the world and to go adore them everywhere. They're winning against the apex predator per, ex- per excellence on the Earth. Yeah. Uh, also, I didn't fact check this, but... The theory I read was that pandas were migrating a lot in the process of of history. Every time some, mm, you know, mm. extreme weather conditions happen, they would just move to a different place. That they're always looking for different ways to kind of survive. And China has become their final destination, and they have been really luckily. So they came from somewhere else. That's what I read. Huh. <laughs> you know, like America has its national animal is like a what is an eagle, a bald eagle, right? Yeah. But like you know, China, it's like. Is it a dragon or is it a panda? You know, sometimes I think it's one. Sometimes I think it's the I other. Think dra- so dragons have dragons is, is dragons are not something that everybody has seen. So it kind of exists more like a spiritual totem for Chinese people. But pandas are mm. like we have we have those cute things in real life. Like they're here. Well, you know, I think the Scottish animal, obviously Scotland is in, is not its own independent country as part of Great Britain, but they have a national animal and that is the unicorn. So so you could have a non-existent animal as your <laughs> national a- animal. You could be dra- dragons. You could be pandas. Unicorns I, are, that's a little peculiar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, like, sure. Why not? Let's say, I mean, we also admire Phoenix that also mm-hmm. don't really. Yeah. Exist. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading about that and I was thinking, I was not thinking. I, w- I did a lot of reading about the Phoenix. <laughs> I was just reading, but not thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully <laughs> <laughs> I'm just taking in information. Anyways, um, it may be an ancient animal that doesn't exist anymore that the phoenix is based on. I really wish we could know. And then at, the more we speak on this, the more I'm thinking, because I don't know if you read the recent study on, on dinosaurs. And there has been a, a school of thought that has been saying that dinosaurs actually didn't look at what we yeah. made them out to be. Like they were actually giant birds with feathers, which would be a phoenix. Yeah, so. some of them are. Yeah. Oh, now we're t- mm. going way back there for the phoenix but you know <laughs> yeah well increasingly because of global warming and you know the i guess there's always a positive side to every negative side is that like a lot of places mm-hmm. are the permafrost is peeling back and we're getting more dinosaurs than ever before yeah. and a lot of them are being discovered in china so there's a lot of places where i think places are melting and we're discovering dinosaurs with more and more features than ever before because they've been frozen and some of the skin and some of the exteriors are intact now. they're intact yeah so we're learning a lot more about what dinosaurs really look like. And so some of them were more reptilian and some of them were very colorful and some of them had feathers. Yeah. Like giant 
birds. That's a really, I think it's really interesting. I wish I was a kid again to relearn about dinosaurs all over. I know. I would love to do that too. When I was at Universal, I was like, why was I not a five-year-old? <laughs> that way I could be super interested in remembering the names of all of these dinosaurs and feel cool about it. You know, I, I teach, so I do teach kids, but my kids are too young. So that when I teach them, the, all they're really learning about is like T-Rex, Brontosaurus, Pterodactyl, like the, the top five or six most common dinosaurs. I don't even remember those five. All I know is T-Rex and, and Raptor. Oh, Brontosaurus <laughs> is like a Brachiosaurus, but I think it's slightly smaller. That's the one with the little thing, the little thing from their head to the back, the spikes. No, 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 no. That's no, all oh, I... Never, never mind. I guess that was super far off. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, one of the... It's it's another four-legged one, but it's a really big one. Uh, the one you're talking about, I forget what it's See? called. Stegosaurus. Stegosaurus. It's a Stegosaurus. Sh now you're just showing off, Jason. <laughs> well, I do. I, I teach children, so my, my brain has been refreshed because, you know, you every week or two in my in my school we change our topic mm. and like when you get to dinosaurs you just see these faces what <laughs> dinosaur week Wah! and the kids are so excited oh i love i love kids when they play with dinosaurs they're like <laughs> so pandas i think most people know this but you know some of our listeners may not know this all pandas in the world belong to china I do I know this? I think I do. <laughs> so that means like if there's a, a panda, for example, the one we were talking about earlier in uh, New York and or sorry, Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. Shaochi. Shaochi belongs to China. And anytime China would be like, we need Shaochi for a breeding program or something, then it would be like, OK, we're going to set up a schedule and yeah. fly Shaochi back to or wherever it Shaochi needs to go for the breeding program, because China has complete control over all of the pandas on Earth. And basically, this is called panda diplomacy. Have you heard this term? Uh, I have heard I have heard this term before, but it's it's it, this is more than I think that's the only thing, the only type of, you know, quote unquote diplomacy that still sort of works. We had ping pong, uh, you know, diplomacy, but that was like over 50 years ago. <laughs> Recently, it started again, but that's like half a century in between, whereas these pandas were kind of just sending them to to D.C., to to New York and to to France, to all of these other countries. Mm -hmm. Well, so, so let's say you're a country, you know, OK, so you're Alex, you're Alexandria. OK, <laughs> so you're Alexandria, the country, sure. and you sign a new trade deal with China and you and you build a zoo. China might just be like, oh, well, you know, we're really good friends now. Alex. Here's a panda. So we're here, yeah, here, here are two pandas for your zoo. But then what happens is at any point, if you're not taking care of your pandas correctly, or if they need them for a breeding program or for whatever, whatever Chinese scientists decide, they can be like, we're taking them back, yeah, send the pandas. You don't back. get to keep them anymore. You're not doing your job. Exactly. Even if you if we if they send you two pandas and those pandas have a baby, that baby still belongs to the scientists in China. Well, I guess those pandas are all Chinese. <laughs> yeah, all pandas in the world are Chinese pandas and this is their homeland and at any time their homeland can come calling for them and say oh we need we need you know the little baby so you have a new baby they name it Xiao 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 now belongs to China yeah. we want Xiao Xiao because we need Xiao Xiao to make babies with this other other panda or whatever yeah yeah well I, I think it's important in order to make sure that they're they're no longer endangered in the future in any way whatsoever that they get the population yeah. even higher I mean higher. these are these are they're just so you know non aggressive well I take that back. They're not exactly non-aggressive. Sometimes Don't they have claws. They, they have do claws, have claws, right? and if you really piss them off, they will get a little, <laughs> you know, nitty bitey. But they are just so, you know, 
they're so pleasant to look at. You just, you just feel like I think I think I've come across a feed on though a live feed where they just show you what they're doing. Yeah, there I think there like, are probably more than one. You're just like I'll watch it for two hours. <laughs> Why not? But I mean, I think you're probably going to doing is probably the most the best way to see them because you're seeing the highlights of them being you know the ridiculous creatures that they seem to be. Those uh, uh, Jason, those videos are just ridiculously cute. I can't. Even. I saw a picture when I was getting ready for this show and it was like it was like 10 pandas climbing a tree and some of them were way up there they're like you know 10 meters <laughs> off the ground and i'm like these things can barely sit like still like <laughs> they fall off things on the ground what happens they when they fall, fall out of that they tree fall so off <laughs> have you not seen videos of them falling off the tree? <laughs> no i haven't seen that one no, not specifically i've seen them eating and they just fall backwards and then just like collapse <laughs> I, i've seen them falling off those climb shelves or, or trees that you know they the caretakers put there for them to have fun and you get really worried because it's pretty high but when they fall off they're just like oh, we got the cushion on our back and it just you know they just stand up and they're like they're okay yeah, they, they, <laughs> it's like they're like built-in helmets all over their body yes built-in airbags <laughs> <laughs> you know but like i i don't actually know can they eat things other than like bamboo can what other things can like can they eat like fruits and stuff I think pandas are actually, uh, the word is, you know, they're not uh, herbivores. Uh, omnivore. Where they mix, they eat both. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, because they're omnivores, does that mean in the wild they were able to catch things? I think so. <laughs> they worked as a team. They surrounded the tiger. They tricked. And they took them. <laughs> they tricked the prey with their cute appearance. And then they go. And <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they ate insects or something small. Maybe. But their teeth are, you know, very. It's not. Their teeth don't look like, for example, goats or, 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 or cows teeth. Let's change the topic really quickly about uh, about in, in terms of we're talking about really cute animals the koala you know the koala right oh, yes 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 which They're is not a bear it's technically called a koala bear but it's not a bear did you know it's like not related to the other what, bears? uh so what are they there are they uh i don't know what mouse? they are I, I don't know what they are but i remember being corrected and said that someone asked what kind of bears are not real bears and i was like oh pandas and they were like no Pandas are bears. They're related to all the other bears, but koalas Koa are Ooh. actually not bears. That might come in really handy for my trivia. <laughs> that might be a question. But but you know what the you know what the uh the Chinese name for koala bear is? No. They're called uh shu dai xiong. They're called tree bag bears. <laughs> tree wait wait. Shu da diao. Shu dai xiong. Like, shu dai. Shu dai. Oh wow. Xiong. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, that's why. Cause I'm like, they're I'm trying to think of this. Other, they have two Chinese names, and one of them actually might tell you that they are not a bear. So, Shu Dai Xiong, the tree bear, uh, tree bag bear is one of their names. Tree bag bear. I want to share a little silly thing with you. Um, I had two very close friends. I have two very close friends. They went, well, they went home. So, I say they used to live here in China, but they went back to New Zealand. Apparently, there's this joke that I didn't know. So, they were telling me, oh, yeah, in Australia, koalas are really dangerous, Jason. I was like, what are you talking about? And like, he's like, oh, they hang out in the trees. And when you walk below them, they just dive and they attack you. Oh. And they're known, known for taking people out, Jason. And their claws are 
are vicious. And I was like, really? I was like, I kind of got a little scared of koalas for a while. And then a year went by and I read that Australian people, they're, they're, my friends are not Australian, but you know, New Zealand's and Australia's, they're, <laughs> they have a similar culture. And like, apparently Australian people like to pull foreigners' legs and lie to them that koalas are these vicious, dangerous creatures when they're really not. So like, yes, koalas can be How? aggressive, but they exaggerate it. It's a huge thing that Australians like to pull the wool over foreigners' eyes about them. How common or how true is this statement that they like to pull people's legs? I want to know because last week we were uh, together with our friend from New Zealand as well. I'm not going to name him, but he was telling us about this crazy bird in New Zealand that makes this noise like... <laughs> and it was very it was very vicious you know, and I, anything very annoying. about australia i would believe i'm scared i know they have the giant spiders that like will chase mm. chase you i i read that like they'll see you from two miles away these spiders and they'll be like okay i'm going and they'll Pray. they'll follow you for miles so like i'm i don't think i can go to australia honestly as spy i'm scared of like the little daddy long leg that hangs out in the corner of your house and is helping you eat the flies and would never bother Aww. you i'm scared of that thing and i want to put i wouldn't kill it but i would capture it and kick throw it out the window or something so a spider that sees you from two miles away and then stalks you i cannot deal with that that doesn't sound like a spider that sounds like this prank this practical prank that people pulled and they recorded i think it was look i think that prank was horrible because i would i would probably have a heart attack and die but they put someone put a giant <laughs> tarantula costume on his tiny dog oh gosh is this halloween or something i I didn't know when they this person did it but he did that and he recorded videos he put his little you know tarantula dog in the elevator and oh god what if someone could kick it they'd be like so scared they might like attack it you know that's the thing i'm like you thought you had a great idea but you could literally seriously endanger either your dog or the person you're trying to play the prank on i was just like well that's it really it actually is really scary when you see it moving because it's <laughs> like huge legs kind of just running around and you hear the people scream you hear you you see people <laughs> literally just scram for their life oh it's my horrible. gosh it sounds like a Jap- japanese like gag tv show you know with those really crazy oh tv God. shows where you have to put your hand inside the oh man there's some crazy stuff over there i just i can't but i get i get your fear about the giant giant spiders that's different well they have snakes they have spiders apparently maybe koalas drop out of trees and attack you i saw a picture of a koala the other day it was it was a baby like you know i don't know how old it was maybe a few weeks but it was mm-hmm. maybe i thought it looked like a cartoon it was like a living cartoon it was one of the cutest things i've ever seen in my entire life and i was just like i want one must have they're very they're very cute i i used to think pandas were the cutest animals in Ooh, the world competition I, until <laughs> until until sloth became <laughs> oh sloths but yeah real sloths aren't that cute it's like the disney sloth that's really cute True, but there's like, I saw a video recently of the sloth crossing the street and everybody just stopped and came out of their car to watch the sloth and eat. And he, the, <laughs> the sloth crawl. They When they crawl, they're really low to the ground, you know, and then hmm. they don't, it's not like they're walking on their third paws. They kind of just reach out and then they reach out and they pull. So it's very, it's just, it's just kind of like silly. 
maybe adorable is not a good as good of a word as silly yeah so right. yeah sloths are cute wait a minute let's make a list i think we you and i are going to have to be the definitive leaders in the movement to define or what are the cutest animals on earth we got we already said dolphins so i think yeah. firstly did you know that killer whales are actually a breed of dolphin i did not know that i also didn't know why they were named killer whales well, they're orcas i think that's what people mostly call them they're uh, killer because actually they are the ocean's apex predator so everyone thinks sharks are or something but mm-hmm. sharks when they they hear the sound of orcas coming they will go miles and miles and miles away and sometimes they won't come back for like months because they're so terrified of orcas so like orcas will come in and they can they can eat a blue whale or like a humpback whale or wow. they can they can take out sharks or whole packs of sharks they're actually the the apex predator but they're adorable it's the it's the same <laughs> ones i i went to in 2013 i went to miami for a cruise and before i we went to the cruise we went to the the aquarium and watch a show and i think it was a kill it was it a killer whale i don't even know it was you know that the black and white whale yeah that's is, it is, was oh yeah and yeah. then that's why i didn't understand why it was called a killer whale because it was very you know it's not too big but it was still huge like yeah. you know enormous right and then it was doing all of this interaction with the with the with its trainer and stuff i was like oh it's kind of cute actually and it splashes yeah. water on other people so i was like why are they they're not killers I, I, they have them a lot in china in the south i think guangzhou there's a huge aquatic park there where they have like six orcas they used to have them in san jose but i think they may have uh released them into the wild because there were a lot of protests or something yeah i remember seeing them as a child in san jose and just being in awe like dinosaurs like wow those because we sat in the front row and we got splashed and they're just so cute and they are one of the the oldest animals or the longest living animals on earth right i I don't i don't know about you but i like to think of myself as one of the oldest animals (laughs) well think i was thinking about this why do like why do they like okay alligators or sharks or whatever why not me because you know i my ancestors were here when life began like five billion years ago and so i like to think that i've been winning this whole time (laughs) well you are the most advanced animal on earth so how about oh, wow. how, yeah how thank about you, thank you yes i am <laughs> how about how i settle at that so you don't feel you don't feel like it's an unfair game when we compare So I've made a few choices. We I went koala and I went orca. What other what animals? And you you mentioned uh, the sloth. What other <laughs> super adorable, cute animals are there on Earth? Panda, koala. I like those tiny. Have you seen those? I don't know their names. I don't know the. I know they're they're all called crabs. But have you seen those tiny little crabs on the beach that just go? into the sand yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i so love those little sand things. crabs i guess we'll just call them that because we're not we don't know what the heck we're talking about yeah we don't know their names but so oh, wait, wait. have you seen chinchillas you know like it's like a hamster but it's like from south america you can't get it wet it's supposed to take like takes a bath in sand with long Font tails really, i don't know if they have long tails but they have like oh they're all, fur, very furry they they're can f- stand up on their hind legs and they can use their hands to take things so like i had a friend who had one back at berkeley and that used to steal things any 
anything shiny, like a coin or a piece of jewelry or whatever, mm -hmm. it would like go and steal it when you weren't looking and hide it like in different places, like under the sofa or in its own habitat, like it had its a cage or whatever. Aww. And it would it would steal shiny things like, you know, your diamond ring. <laughs> go, oh, wow. This is mine now. And it would like go hide it. Oh, the chinchillas know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're doing. I, I'm going to put them on the list. So wait a minute. Now, we were taught we started out with pandas now. It has panda made top of the list. Is panda number one or has some, you know, one of these other cute, adorable animals like? I mean, if we're talking about the animals not hurting anybody or not, uh, you know, stopping traffic when they're trying to cross the street, the panda probably stays on top of the list. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. I was I mean, I think, you, you know, you mentioned you can get close to them. They're mostly inaccessible to everyone. You can't just go up and like with a chinchilla, you could go to the store. You could buy one. Yeah. Right. Or like with a lot of other animals, you could go see them in the wild and try. Maybe it would be a bad idea. Like to go try to touch a koala without being an expert or like or whatever. But you could do it because they're they're out in the wild. But like pandas are so well protected that you can't just go up to a panda and start petting it because where no. would you go? And like the government wouldn't let you. And if you tried to, you might get a fine that you, you would never be able to pay back or go to jail for a significant amount of time. They're so protected that like, you know, it, it's completely inaccessible animal. It's almost like a fictional animal because you could only look at it the only experience you can have of a panda is with your ears or your eyes <laughs> i've also um this is something very random but i just thought about it um i was thinking about it like a while ago it's like i like how pandas have this you know black eye kind of thing mm -hmm. and like because how how young chinese people are working super hard and pandas kind of are national animal it's like mm. this is what you wanted it to be like getting all these dark eye circles or whatever from staying up late and working too hard. Mm. But it's still They cute. have the phrase in English, <laughs> panda eyes, which means like essentially you're so exhausted that you have black rings around your eyes. Oh, I've never. I don't think I knew that. So you can say yeah, you can say, oh, yeah, you have panda eyes or like you would you wouldn't say it like optimistically. It would be like, yeah, you look exhausted. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, go get some sleep. Exactly. Or something. Did you have a teddy bear when you were growing up, Alex? Maybe I had one. I don't have. I wasn't a dull kind of kid. I never had a lot of stuffed animals and stuff. Alex is a tough kid. I had a teddy bear. <laughs> My teddy bear's name, not was, is Bobo. Aww. Bobo's in, oh, Bobo's in a box, but, you know, I didn't get rid of Bobo. Bobo's in a box at my mom's house in America. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, you know, next trip I go back to America, Bobo's coming back. But with me, it's a little brown bear. My mommy sewed like, oh, sorry, my mom <laughs> sewed a mouth on it because it didn't have a mouth. And I was like, mom, my bear doesn't have a mouth. So my mom sewed one on. Oh, that's so that's that's very nice of her. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like a, a panda is essentially like the. I think one of the reasons people like it so much is it looks like a giant stuffed animal. It's so bubbly and like, you know, it looks like a stuffed animal. It's not real looking. No way nature would make something that look if we could ever just genetically engineer them to be just a little bit smaller without claws and make one for every family it would be in the new dog or cat yeah this is my panda stay away from my panda <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then it would be less precious wouldn't it but can you imagine i i think those i've seen um baby pandas being very much like mm. a human baby to their caretakers and then they get you, of course you could if you it, it's uh if you know if you are someone who works as a professional panda caretaker and you try to raise a panda baby from the first day of course you take care of them and stuff but then at you know a couple 
months of age, the pandas would become like humans. They would start to have attitudes and, you know, they have short tempers. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very cute. It's very cute. So wait, wait, does it snow in Chengdu? No, right? Or does it? Not really. Not really. Unless it's like rare extreme weather, I guess. So they're not, they have big coats on them. So I guess they can handle it a little bit in, in the snow. I don't think they're, they're, uh, afraid of cold weather you know because the article that we were talking about earlier in washington dc this panda uh Chi, i guess it's got three names um it mm. the, the article was essentially about like it was playing in the snow and rolling down the snow and like climbing up a hill and then sliding <laughs> down and climbing up the hill and sliding down and i'm just wondering like in their natural habitat they, i guess they must encounter snow because if they're that well adapted this this article was written around the same time as the i-95 pile up where all those cars were unable to get out of the snow for like 30 or 35 hours or whatever at the same time this panda is just like wee yeah i think i'm pretty sure pandas are more you know bothered with the they're, they're more bothered by heat than, mm. than cold air they're not scared of the cold but they do like if it's too hot it does it does kind of get to them a little bit hmm so Chengdu in the uh, summer, it's a rainforest, right? So it but must get it's hot. It's probably also very well climated. That's the thing about about rainforest. It's kind of like its own system. That's why, you know, we call it, I don't know if the same saying in English, but in Chinese, we, we're always told that rainforests are the lungs yeah, of yeah, Earth, yeah, yeah. right? They breathe themselves and it's, it's kind of like, it's probably very... Uh, it stays moderate in terms of, you know, weather and stuff within the forests uh, all year round. It doesn't get too hot because you're if you're in it, I guess it's not you're not going to be exposed to the, you know, the blazing sun. One thing I remember at the San Francisco Zoo is they would bring out and I'm not going to say what animal because it's, it's maybe seems just scary to our listeners, but they would bring out frozen animals Ooh, What for the polar bear to eat. So they would. Yeah, they would take a they would take frozen animals and in a block of ice and then give it to the, the polar bear the polar bear so that the polar bear could rip the ice apart and oh my ta- god oh my take god. The, the frozen animal out and eat it it was, a, it was like a reward they don't do that anymore that. do they uh, it's not a living animal it's frozen i mean think about it if you have a penguin you feed a fish right it's not like they, that's true you don't give it like fish meal or something uh, that's true they, they, these are animals and some of them are like carnivores and they eat other animals so that is absolutely Absolutely true. It's just I feel like it's the same thing with how we're okay with eating fish and smaller animals if we see the shape of it. But if it's bigger animals, like I just, I there's some things I just like. I'm like, no, don't don't present it to me. The, the whole you bring up an interesting cultural divide thing, and this is something that comes up at my work all the time. And you know, like. In America, uh, most food does not have bones in it. Like, yeah, you had go to KFC. Sure, you do have some bones or whatever. But a lot of food is just like the hamburger or the pizza or whatever. So, like, mm. you don't really see a lot of bones and visceral part of the food that you're eating. But in China, oftentimes they just take a cleaver and chop up the chicken. And like, <laughs> and then they, they prepare it really well. It's delicious. But then, like, you're like eating around bones very often in a lot of Chinese food and a lot of you know people from like england and america are like uh i don't want to eat this or maybe it's like you know i'll eat it because i'm trying to be nice or whatever but a lot of them would would prefer to have their fish filleted before they they eat it instead of eating around the fish bones my work i have some friends from uh jamaica and from um South Africa, and they're like, uh-huh. no, no, China's doing it right. It, it needs to have bones because <laughs> the bones taste delicious. And me and my American friends are like, I'm ordering like 
on my Meituan right now because I don't want to eat. This. I mean, the, the, I I kind of look like it. Look at it as when you cook a whole pot of chicken. If you leave the bones in, then you, it looks like you're eating more food, but you're not actually because a lot of it is just bones, and you end up eating not as much meat as you think you would. And it's a good way to keep. Up. I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, in terms of like this uh, polar bear, uh, it probably makes the polar bear feel more like it's in its natural environment to have the entire that I agree. animal to contend with because it feels like. A, a real animal you know mm. it's not like they're throwing in a living animal it's like okay if you catch this you get to eat it it's like it's already dead you know that's true and i guess i guess the the shape of the animal is somehow distorted when they're in a chunk of ice and it can't you can't see it as clear it's just like i i it's hard for me to watch that i know that people i know that most of the animals in the in zoos here they get fed mm -hmm. raw meat but it's you know some kind of it's it's chopped up raw meat so you can't really tell what kind of meat they're eat they're having i was wondering because you know globally pandas are just thought of as these adorable animals and they're well beloved and actually there's a title giant panda yes big panda <laughs> there are two different kinds of pandas so there are these things called little pandas but they're actually not bears they're not pandas they just have this have this sort of nickname as little pandas and they're i think they're endangered species as well mm. and they live closer to tibet i think oh, oh. yeah i did not know that so there's giant pandas and there are many pandas yeah wow. small pandas but small pandas look nothing like jam giant pandas like they're oh really they look a lot like raccoons actually wow i'm gonna have to look this up later this this is news to me this is something I, you know they say you learn something new every day i've definitely learned my my new thing for today so are there any special cultural connotations in China or Chinese about pandas beyond they're just adorable? I mean, they've just been used as, a you know, an image to show China and, you know, first and foremost, and they're kind of just like friendly. So it symbols how if you're, you know, putting panda as part of your your logo, part of your company mm, culture, mm. part of whatever, then it sends a message of you know, the brand or the company being more friendly, being, you know, uh, fun and cutie. Other than that, it's just some it's just an animal that everybody in China pretty much loves. I want to veer off pandas just for a second. So, well, actually, so there's this story about the 12 Zodiac animals. Why isn't the if the panda is like basically the national anthem of China, <laughs> why isn't it one of the 12 Zodiacal animals? <laughs> They're above all. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. And I think that question has come up before and had no answer to it. But <laughs> But it didn't it didn't make me feel ashamed enough to look up the answer. I, I'm not sure it might be a timing thing, quite honestly. Maybe it just that pandas are more well known and beloved now. Or, nationally. or panda became more well known later on. Uh, well, so um, dragons really quickly. So in a lot of Western culture, dragons are bad. Typically, they're like something that yeah. shows up to the town in Europe and then starts eating people or burning stuff. And that is not really the uh, connotation for dragons, is it, in China? Not at all. So dragons in Chinese culture come in pretty much one image, which is the king of the water, a king of not just a king of the, the ocean, basically. That's what we say in uh, Journey to the West. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, that little the horsey, the, the white horse was the son of the dragon of the, the dragon king of the ocean. Um, and so dragons in Chinese culture looked at as a, you know, blessing 
because we are a very agricultural country um, and our, our history was very heavily relied on, you know, the development of mm-hmm. agriculture. And then the, the dragons bring the water and, you know, it brings rainfall from the water body that they reside in. So it kind of blesses people with food and, and you know, abundance. So dragons are more looked at as this kind of a little bit of uh heavenly if you will kind of god that guards its people and it's very authoritative and it's it's usually it's a father there's always some sort of little kid in chinese mythology that belongs to this little mm, uh mm. dragon king of the ocean again it looks different from western dragons as well like chinese dragons are these like long mm-hmm. yeah, snake like yeah, yeah. creatures with with claws that are in the you know the the front and the rear end of its body and it has this beautiful uh um, blanking on the word, um, ah, blanking on the word. I don't know, but this beautiful skin, mm-hmm. um, and they have these uh beards, almost like mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. you know, I'm talking about the like a the tentacle tentacles, kind but of, it's not a, you know from the face, right? Yeah. That make them makes them look like older people, like you know, mm-hmm. like a grand grandfather or whatever. So it has this kind of image of a heavenly father figure they can fly but with no wings or something yeah they just soar into the sky and they bring they bring you know water with them wherever they go a lot of emperors they would have the phoenix and the dragon on their clothes yeah so both being potentially fictional animals the phoenix and the dragon so phoenix means rebirth dragon means water so it's like i don't i don't don't really phoenix means um the the only idea of phoenix in Chinese culture, traditional Chinese culture, or the most popular concept of what a phoenix stands for is uh, nirvana. You know, they oh. right they get they bathe in the fire, they bathe in fire, and they be, they get a new life. You know, they um what's the word? It's interesting because that that is also in Western society, the phoenix and the rebirth. Yeah, it's a global phenomenon that this animal represents like a rebirth or like fire, and it's really fascinating. And yeah, nobody really knows what it what it looks like at least the dragons have two you know main representation of what people think they look like we were talking about dragons there was there's this chinese legend about this animal called nian that apparently came and attacked chinese people in ancient times <laughs> you, you are you familiar we all know about this the that's the kind of the origin of the chinese uh new year the spring festival yeah yeah, yeah. and some of the customs of celebrating new year's uh the chinese new year and then the most famous one was playing firecrackers and you know the f- folklores go that it's because people need to drive away they need to scare away this neon monster because this neon monster eat the crops they eat they the neon monster would go into people's uh house and eat the the food that they have just harvested the crops that they just harvested mm-hmm. from their heart you know their their land uh with their hard work where they have to prepare for the whole winter and then the end monster would just come in and eat all of that so people need to just drive them away and that's why we play fireworks during chinese new year well you know i have a children's version of this that i read to my kids Ooh. and it, it was very similar to the story you just told but it also included wearing red because apparently the neon is scared of the color I red mean, this just sounds like a bad animal <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess it's not red. Otherwise, it'd be scared of itself. So <laughs> there's also the the uh, we talked about this briefly before. People wear a lot of red around Chinese New Year. And if it's your animal, you wear red to scare away like, I guess, like ghosts or something. I don't know. All over your body. <laughs> 
So is Nian a dragon or something else? Nian's not a dragon. I'm pretty sure it's not a dragon. There's no way. We don't, there's no bad dragon in Chinese culture. So Nian's <laughs> just a monster. It's just a monster that no longer comes to bother us anymore because we have scared it away. <laughs> Huh. So are there ancient references to pandas then? Not that I know of. And I'm uh, now that you asked me, I'm trying to like look up what <laughs> Nancho it really is. And it actually, it looks more like, well, there are all kinds of different illustrations of what a Nian monster looks like. And it's kind of like, you know, a hybrid of a lion, a dragon, a, a, a giant hippo and you know, spiky stuff and it has wings. I don't China know. China loves hybrid animals like ancient Egypt to a stomach. You know, you, you see all these like huge... Uh, I guess lion-like or tiger-like animals yeah. all over like protecting businesses, but they're not tigers and lions. They're like this part of that. Their body, their bodies are made of different things. Yeah. So they're mixtures of like the what's the peace show? You know the peace show, right? Yeah, of course I know the peace show. The peace show is like a mixture of four or five other animals to make up its body composition. So it's like it's like a dog, dragon, lion, something. <laughs> Antler, it has antlers in some, some yeah. depictions. So like a lot of Chinese animals are like mixtures of like other animals all blended together to make some sort of, in the case of the Pichu, it's like a, it's one of God's kids. Nine sons. Yeah. 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 One of the stars in this. Yeah. It and makes it, me, cause I was reading the, the mountains of, uh, the classics of mountain and seas, uh, Shanghai Jing, which is basically one of the most ancient Chinese record of animals and creatures and living creatures. And people look at it more kind of, you know, the Chinese mythological record of its animals. And a lot of people are like, well, these are so-called monsters or spiritual animals that may or may not have existed. And there's no way to know. But in the classics of the mountains and seas, you see a lot of animals, a lot of creatures, just like what we just talked about. They're the hybrid of different types of animals and they all have their own habitat and they all they have a like particular habits that they have and it's uh you know it's very much like when we talk about greek mythology and like you said in in, in ancient egypt uh, mm -hmm, history mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there are all kinds of animals like this but we no one has ever seen them of mm -hmm. course it's from like you know millennia ago and whenever i, I see things yeah. like this it just makes me think like you know a lot of human history like human civilization came it, it just came from some place that's more you know there's a lot more similarities in the origin of human civilization than what we think nowadays now we are at the sort of at the you know the, the tail of the branches of what we are I'm not sure. You know, if you look at like even just uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Whoa, mind blown. I know. No, okay. So actually I was thinking about um, China. China has these two snakes, these uh, lady snakes that become women and they're also snakes. There's a white one and a green one. Yes. Right. And they're really famous in some of your myths. But there's actually also in uh, Egypt, her name was Wajet, W-A-D-J-E-T, Wajet. And she was sometimes had the face of a woman and the body of a snake and sometimes had the body of a woman and the face of a snake. Mm. And she was famous in the lower Nile. Later, she just became the uh, snake headpiece. So when they're wearing the the uh, pharaohs were wearing the headpiece, yeah. they would have the snake snake on the front of their forehead. And that is Wajit. So like in China, they had the ancient snake women and in Egypt, they had ancient snake women. So, you know, it's kind of like universal across all these cultures. Yeah, there's a lot more things in common. Yeah, similarities. Than how 
our yeah our ancestors were thinking more alike than <laughs> we do nowadays. That's hey, Spider-Man's popular in China. Something to ponder on. It is. It is. <laughs> what is the Monkey King is obviously not a monkey. It's like a monkey man monk. It's a monkey man and Matt it, God. Yeah, know? and it shifts. You know, it shape shifts to all kinds of things. And that's popular today. You know? It's not like it's just you know. Oh, okay, that was something ancient. This like two of these movies come out in China every year. It's like constant. There is always a Monkey King movie that comes and you out. Watch, what the Japanese invented Godzilla. This is not a real animal. So I think this is a continuing tradition. People take Socrates once times was trying to just define imagination, and he said, "You know, have the idea of a mountain, mm -hmm. and you have the idea of gold. So now you can have the idea of a golden mountain. <laughs> so like all people, like oh, okay, I I know a dog. Yep. And then I know a bird, bird dog. <laughs> yeah, know, like, I know I know an apple. I know a pen, an apple pen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is the, all the time we have for today. It's always a great pleasure speaking with you, Alex. Likewise, Jason. <laughs> Talk to you guys next we'll time. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.